Welcome to Engage Boise. We hope that you enjoy this live recording of our Sunday service. Today, though, I'm excited to jump into this short series called Routine Maintenance. Just so you know, uh, my intention with this is to go three weeks, um, and then we've got uh, some other big plans after that. Uh, we'll take one week after this stream. We're going to focus on missions. We did this last year. Uh, we'll have a missionary here with us that day. It's going to be awesome. And then we're going to be on to a series in the New Testament on First and Second Thessalonians. So I'm really excited about uh, all of those things. You probably saw as you came, came in out in the lobby this phrase that I've been repeating, church has been repeating, becoming disciples and making disciples. I felt in my heart that as a church, part of our direction for this year is that we should become more and more disciples of Christ each day. and We should bring others along on the journey with us. And at our core as believers in Jesus in 2024, that's what we are doing. We're seeking to be disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus. And I know that many of you in this place, you would say that's what you are, disciple of Jesus. But the question maybe you are asking is one, maybe before you have asked is, uh, many come and many who come after you will ask, how do I do it? How do I become a disciple of Jesus in the day and age we live in? How do I continue to be a disciple in the, in the day and age we live in? In a world that seems like completely backwards, the opposite of everything that I hold dear, uh, opposite of the things of God or what I think the things of God are, how do I actually live as a disciple of Jesus each day? That's what we're going to talk about over the next a uh, few weeks, I'm going to spend a little time introducing the series this morning. Uh, it takes some routine maintenance. If you're going to become a disciple, live as a disciple of Jesus, each day in 2024, it takes some routine maintenance. I'm not talking about routine as in boring routine. I'm talking about the kind of routine, I'm not talking about the kind of routine where you just check a box and nothing ever changes. You just do it because someone told you you have to do it. Not that kind of routine. I'm talking about the kind of routine where you're purposeful because you want something to be better. We're purposeful about our relationship with Jesus because we want it to be better. We're going to liken it over the next few weeks to what you do if you are a regular driver of some type of vehicle. How many of you have been in a car in your life? Some of you are lying because your hand's not up. All of you have been in a car before. There's two kinds of people in the world when it comes to cars. Two kinds of people. They're the kind of people who drive their car into the ground until quite literally it stops driving. It does not matter what noise it makes, what alarm it sounds, they just keep driving. As long as the car gets to point A to point B, they keep driving until it stops working. And when it stops working, they get it towed or they drive it to the mechanic with, while it's making whatever horrible, awful noise that it's making. Ask me how I know about these things, you know. Uh, they do the minimum amount of work that they have to do so they can keep driving from point A to point B. They rinse and repeat until the thing dies, a horrible death on the side of the road. I'm familiar with this plan because my wife has done this to more than one car. Not since we've been married, but before she met me, she was the classic buyer of an old beater car, drive it into the ground, buy another one. On the opposite side of that, you might be the kind of person who pays attention to what needs to happen regularly to keep your vehicle in good shape. You might be the kind of person who rotates the tires, you take it in for service, you change the coolant, you change the wipers, you do all the things. And if you're either one of those types of people or maybe you're somewhere in between, there's no shame either way. There's no command in the Bible how you're supposed to take care of your car. It's an inanimate object as much as some of us would like to say differently. 
But there's a good chance if you have been in a vehicle, if you drive a vehicle, that at some point you're going to see a version of this emblem you see on the screen right now. That's the thing that's commonly known as the check engine light. If you have a car, you probably have a check engine light. If you were the first type of person I talk about that just drives your car till it almost literally dies, uh, you probably have seen that light much sooner <laughs> or possibly just much more often. Even if you are someone who's pretty good about taking care of your vehicles, there's a pretty good chance you're going to see this thing at some point or another. It comes on. But it's really worth saying just quickly what the light actually means because when that light comes on, it can mean all kinds of things. What it means at its very core is that something in the car is not working the way it's supposed to. The computer in the car is telling you there's a problem. It has this set of parameters it's expecting. It sees something it doesn't know what is going on, so it flashes this light at you and says, hey, there's something you need to look at. Sometimes there actually is not a problem with the car, except the thing that's doing the measuring has stopped working. Everything's working fine, just the sensor's broken. A really common one's the oxygen sensor. If you've worked on cars, you've probably changed an oxygen sensor. There's even a special, special wrench for it. You still have to fix the sensor so you actually know if something's wrong. But regardless, the vehicle, it will not work the way it was designed to work until the problem is fixed, whether it's a sensor or an actual problem. Now, you might be, you even probably can drive the car. Some of you are more willing to try than others if the light comes on. But I can promise you it will not work how it should. It might seem like it is to you, but the car won't work how it should. And chances are, if you leave it with the light on, you never address it. You will get stranded eventually. I actually used this specific check engine light. I had Pastor Chase make this little theme for me for this series on purpose because it is the one you'd see more often than you'd like if you have ever driven a Volkswagen. If you've ever, ever had a VW, you have seen that light. It's the little uh, engine with the lightning bolt on it. I always thought it was the coolest check engine light because um, I saw it a lot. I've had a couple of these cars over the years. I love these Volkswagen cars so much. A Jetta or a Passat, one of these cars. Uh, I had this friend named Chad who's a big car guy. And he told me, Volkswagens, they have the coolest stuff first, earliest. And that's true, but man, you see the engine with the lightning bolt a lot in those cars. <laughs> had uh, two or three of these cars. It's funny because it was not usually the actual engine. The engines were actually pretty bulletproof most of the time. It was usually something else. The gas cap or vacuum leak or a solenoid or some ridiculous thing like that. These cars, VWs, they're a little more finicky than others. But doing regular or routine maintenance, it was the best way to keep it away. Not to bring it back around to what we're talking about at church this morning. Why are we talking about check engine lights and cars? If you know Jesus, if you have received salvation, you are a disciple of Christ, then you have eternal life. Just full stop, you have it. But if all you ever do is come to church and you say the prayer and you walk out and you survive the week, you stagger back in, you say the prayer again, you're like, man, that was rough. And then you rinse and repeat. It's going to feel like everything is not working like it should be. It's going to feel like the dashboard of your life has the engine with the lightning bolt on all the time. I believe that if that's what you do, as long as your heart is sincere and whether your heart is sincere, that's between you and God. If you do that, you have eternal life. God is faithful to answer when we ask him to forgive. 
But I also believe today, friends, that Jesus wants to invite you, he wants to invite us into something better than that. Jesus wants to invite us into a life that's more rich, more abundant, more adventurous than we've experienced before. And similar to taking care of a vehicle, with a little bit of routine maintenance, our relationship with Jesus, it can sustain our entire life. It can take us farther than we ever imagined it could take us. It can be more fulfilling than we ever thought possible. You know, cars, if you think about it, they're really incredible machines. Just think about how different life would be if we couldn't get around the way that we do. If I can walk out to my driveway, start up my Yukon, pull out of my buried driveway because of what the snowplow did, go wherever I want to go. As bad as we often treat our vehicles, they're usually pretty sturdy. Typical car, as you know, this has around 30,000 parts if you include the nuts and bolts. No wonder stuff breaks all the time, right? Makes sense. And our relationship with Jesus has a little in common with our cars, actually, in that some regular attention completely changes everything about it. Unlike a vehicle, though, that will eventually leave you stranded, doesn't matter how expensive, how nice of a vehicle you drive, it will eventually leave you stranded. God's promise to us is that he will never leave us or forsake you. God's promise to you, if you've never heard this, is that he will never leave you or forsake you. It's written down for us in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 31, very famous scripture. God will never leave you or forsake you. Today we're talking about the simple concept of an oil change. You see some uh, stuff over here that might remind you of it. You are familiar if you drive a car, unless it's a completely electric car. If you have a complete electric car, then you've got other problems maybe. But uh, you're familiar with this concept of an oil change. Your problem might be that Elon Musk can track you wherever you want to be. I don't really know. <laughs> I don't know if he can actually do that. An oil change is probably the number one thing that will keep your vehicle running happily and running for a long time. The number one thing you can do. Whoops. Whoa, my iPad's misbehaving here. Okay, there we go. <laughs> See, clean oil, which is what's in this jug right here, clean oil is the one thing that will keep your vehicle so it can take you to all kinds of new experiences. Hundreds of thousands of miles to come. I sold a car a few years ago that had 290,000 miles on it. Such a simple procedure, an oil change. Oil change, okay, it's super simple. It involves really just a few things. It inv involves a jug of oil. You'd need to have like four or five of these guys if we can do the whole thing, depending on the size of your motor. But it involves some oil. Super Tech SAE 5W30. That's what goes in some of our cars. It involves this thing called an oil filter. This was a used one that Pastor Chase had. Uh, I'm not sure why he keeps it around, but it's a good example today. <laughs> he's probably got a good reason because he knows what he's doing with cars. Involves an oil filter. You may need a tool or two like this. This is a funnel. You can put oil in your car without a funnel, depending on the car, but it can be an adventure sometimes. And that's really about all you need to do the job, with the exception of maybe a few tools, a funnel, a wrench here and there. It's really that simple, but as simple as it is, it's something that pe as people who drive cars, which all of you probably are, we often neglect or wait too long to do. If you're being honest, your hand would be raised. I have waited beyond the miles before. And if you wait too long, it's one of the things that can make the light come on, depending how finicky your car is. So if it is so simple, if all it takes is 
a little bit of oil. All it takes is an oil filter, a funnel if you feel like you want to have one. If that is all it takes, if that's all it takes, then why do we wait? Why do we miss it? It's so simple. Why do we miss it? It's getting actually easier and easier, right? Uh, in my vehicle, there's a sticker up in the top left corner of the window. Oil change place puts that on there. It's got an amount of miles. When you hit that amount of miles, you're supposed to go in. My vehicle, my Yukon, also has a percentage. You tap a button, it'll say 68% oil life remaining. It even has a warning when it gets down to like below 10%. You turn the car on, it'll ding at you, and it will say change oil now. It's getting easier and easier. Why is it so difficult? It's because of the third thing you need for an oil change. It's time. If you consider the cost of an oil change when compared to the car, it's super small. Right? This, you know, a jug of oil you need might be 20, 30 bucks. Oil filter might be 20, 30 bucks. If you know how to do it yourself, that's pretty much it. So it's not the cost of the oil change that keeps us from doing. The cost is not the issue. The issue is the time that it takes to get it done. Whether you're going to make an appointment somewhere at a, a fancy shop, if you want to do that, if you go to Jiffy Lube, Jiffy is in the quotes, because it's Jiffy only depending on the shop. Some of them are fast, some of them are not. Some of them will put uh, brake or uh, windshield washer fluid in your brake fluid. That happened to me one time. Just so you know, if they put windshield washer fluid in uh, where your brake fluid goes, uh, it makes the pedal go up and down by itself. <laughs> My wife called me one time and said, the pe brake pedal is moving by itself. And I was like, I don't think that's true. That can't be true. <laughs> and she was 100% right. <laughs> Whether you are Jiffy Lube or even if you are intrepid and you do it yourself. The 30 minutes, the one hour, the hour and a half, that's what keeps us driving more miles than we should before changing it out. If the recommendation is 3,000 miles, then we'll go 4,000 or 4,500. Recommendation is 5,000, then we'll go 6,000, 7,000. What happens when we wait that long? Well, the vehicle starts to not run that well. Some of you have experienced this. Maybe... It uh, is a little noisier. Maybe it starts a little harder. And when the thing does start, it seems a little rougher. In some cases, that light, the check engine light comes on. And some of you are like, oh, this is blowing my mind. That's what that light means. I never knew. Some of you are like, I just put tape over that thing. I just pretend it doesn't exist. Some of you are like, I thought it was every 3,000 days, not every 3,000 miles. You're just like really helping me right now. But keeping up with the oil change in your vehicle does two things. Makes your vehicle last longer and run better. And it also prepares us for the unexpected. In our lives as disciples of Christ, there's a few things we can do that seem so simple, but similar to an oil change, they make all the difference. They're things that we do each day, each week, to keep the light from coming on. And this morning, the number one thing we can do to keep the check engine light in our lives from coming on, in our spiritual lives, is an oil change in our heart. What an oil change in our heart is, is a habit of daily devotions. Spending time with God every day is what I mean by a habit of daily devotions. Daily reading of God's word and prayer. Oil change of our hearts is spending time in God's presence daily. Just like an actual oil change, it does not cost much. In fact, it is probably free to you. If you have a phone, you have access to the Bible without paying one more penny, guaranteed. If you want a paper Bible, we'll give you one for free. You have access to the Word of God at all times. 
Um, but you can even, similar to the oil change thing in your car, you can even set your phone up to ding at you each day. Hey, read your Bible right now. Prayer never costs a penny. Anyone who tries to charge you for praying for you, they're doing something else besides praying to the actual living God. Just like an oil change in your car enables it to be everything that it was designed to be, five to ten minutes a day with this book, it can revolutionize your life. Those who have experienced it will tell you five, ten minutes a day reading this book, talking to God, it can change your life. It will change your life. This morning, I'd love to take us through why we should take time with God each day and why it changes everything about our life. First reason, a spiritual oil change, a habit of personal devotions is necessary is this. Jesus had a habit of personal devotions. Jesus had the habit of personal devotions. If our goal as Christians and as a church is to become disciples of Jesus, make disciples of Jesus, then it stands to reason that we should do what Jesus did. This is a really common pattern in in all of our lives, actually, not just with Jesus. If there's something that we want to be, then there's something or someone that we often emulate. Uh, Some of you, a lot of you in this room have played sports. I like to play basketball myself. These days, I try to play two or three times a week. Go play this place called Home Court in Meridian where just random guys show up when you play together. Now, if you go play basketball, you can watch somebody play, and you can tell who they watched and who they want to emulate. Now, a lot of the guys that go play at lunchtime, they're old guys like me. They're about my age, so they grew up in the 90s. So they watch the same guy. You will see there was this guy named Jeff Hornacek in the 90s. And Jeff Hornacek was a not very tall uh white guy, and he had this floater, man. He'd get in the middle of the key, and he'd just shoot this thing straight up over the tall guys. It was just uncanny how often he made it. Wore short shorts. You know, that's what they did in the 80s. There's guys that'll shoot a jumper. Those guys that'll wear shorts and shoes exactly like Michael Jordan, right? That was the thing in the 90s. My favorite guy was this guy named, just obscure guy named Nick Van Exel. He wore number nine, which is why I wear Number nine and all I do, his thing, they called him Nick the Quick. His major skill was he was so quick that even if you knew what he was doing, you couldn't stop him. Did the same thing every time, but he was so quick you couldn't stop him. It's the guy that I tried to emulate. If we are wanting to become more like Jesus, then it stands to reason that we will do what Jesus did. And Jesus, he spent time alone with God. There's examples of this all over the New Testament. Look with me if you have your Bibles. We have it on the screen Mark 1, 35 through 39 says this. The subtitle in your Bible probably says something like, Jesus prays in a solitary place. Verse 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. When they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out the demons. There's something I think is super strange that we tend to do in our lives. Again, saying we because I include myself, something strange that we do. And that is when things are going well and life is less challenging, Our daily devotions is one of the first things that go or suffer. It's one of the first things we stop doing. And if we look at it logically, it doesn't make any sense at all. 
And if we look at the example of Jesus, it doesn't make any sense. Because if there's anyone who ever walked the earth who would not need to keep this habit of being alone with God, it would be Jesus himself. The Son of God come to earth. But it's right there in Mark chapter 1. We just read it in black and white. Jesus went to a lonely place and he prayed. Jesus knew, the Son of God knew, that he needed time alone with his Father if he was going to do what he was meant to do. And Jesus did not stop doing it, no matter how well it was going. What we tend to do as humans, right, is we tend to get a promotion at work, or we go a few days without majorly sinning, and we decide, ah, that's good enough. Made it a few days. I don't need to read anything today. Prayed a bunch yesterday. That's good. But just like Jesus, who we are emulating, copying, continued everyday lonely time with God is essential if we want to do what God made us to do. If you want to do what God made you to do, you have to spend time with him every day, full stop. In fact, Luke 5.16, another spot in the Gospels, tells us Jesus would often withdraw to lonely places and pray. This was not the only time he disappeared and the disciples had to go find him. I want us to see just a few little nuggets of truth that apply to us from this passage in Mark today that we just read. One of those is this, Jesus spent time with his father, it said, by himself. Jesus spent time with his father by himself. Friends, I'm going to be the first to tell you that what we do here at church, gathering together as believers, it's so valuable. I believe the local church is the great hope of the world. In fact, it's part of the routine maintenance we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks. But it's really notable to me that Jesus, he withdrew from everyone else to spend time with God by himself. The only thing we can think of, right, is something must have happened when Jesus was alone with his father that couldn't happen when everyone else was around. I believe that God, the living God who created us, would have us know today that there are things that happen when we are alone with him that don't happen when other people are around. I don't know why that is, but I would guess that it's something to do with the fact that if we are alone. There's no reason to keep up appearances for anybody else. We're not trying to impress anybody. If we're alone, we can be honest and vulnerable. When it's just us and God, we don't have to be afraid someone's going to hear our prayer and judge us. I think, uh, to be honest, we're more likely to listen when there's not so many other voices, when it's just us and God. God speaks things when we're alone that can't speak other times, or we at least we hear them. Something else we see from this passage in Mark chapter 1 is that alone time with God, it enabled Jesus to do what he was sent to do. And for us, when we practice a habit of personal devotions, praying each day, gives us the ability to do what God has made us to do. If you want to do what God made you to do, practice the habit of reading the Bible each day. Look at what Mark uh, 38, 39 says. Right here, it tells us what Jesus did. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out the demons. After being alone with his father, we just read, Jesus does two things. He goes and he preaches to the surrounding towns. It's one of the purposes his father sent him to earth for. Then he goes and he casts out demons. These were the things that God had sent his son Jesus to earth to do. And he had this habit of spending time with his father on his own, withdrawing to lonely places, and then going on and doing those things that God made him to do. 
Now, maybe those exact things that Jesus did, they're not exactly what God has called you to do. But be assured, friends, I can tell you this for sure. God has a mission for every single one of us. God has a mission for every single one of you. And it's to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. God's hope is you'll become part of his family and you'll preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. And daily time with God, daily devotional time, we call it, it allows us to accomplish that mission that God has for us. And that mission, though, it does not have to look the same for everyone. Maybe for you, the mission that God has given you, it looks like living in a godly way at your job. You're not called to get up on a stage and preach. You're not called to do any of that stuff, but you are called to live in a godly way at your job. Gain relationship and trust with your coworkers so when they see the light of Jesus Rightly in your life, they're more likely to say yes when you invite them to church. Remember, it takes an average of seven times asking to get someone to come to church. Maybe your mission for now is to just live the same life in private that you say you do in public. Lead your family quietly in the background. Maybe that's the mission God has given you. Maybe you're a teacher, right? Maybe you're a teacher and you in a public school, uh, wherever setting you're in, you are not allowed to preach the gospel. You'll lose your job but you can live with the light of Christ so that your students, so you teach, they see the difference in you. And when their parents come ask you after school, wow, my kid's different when they spend time with you. What's different about you? You have the opportunity to speak to them. You know, if you go too long without changing the oil in your car, it's going to start to feel different. It might even start to sound different. It's noisier when you turn the key, starts to clink a little bit. Your car may even seem like it is about to die. Man, this thing is on its last legs. But five bottles of this stuff and one of these things in the back, it makes it seem like a brand new car. If you have not tried it and you're over the limit, I dare you go try it and see what happens. Why does it happen that way? Well, typical engine, we said a car has around 30,000 parts. Typical engine has around 300 parts. Many of them are moving, rubbing against each other all the time. Typical engine runs between 195 and 220 degrees. That's what that gauge on your dashboard tells you. There are temperatures of 2,500 degrees where the combustion is happening in the cylinders. 2,500 degrees under your hood. The oil in your car, it keeps that engine at those temperatures from destroying itself. But as it's used up, it slowly loses its ability to lubricate the parts, to make things smooth. Little bits of oil even, they burn up uh, in your car as you drive around. Eventually, it just doesn't do the job that it once could. In the oil that was put in 3,000 miles ago, it was great then, but it is not made for what's happening now. It was great three, four, five months ago, but it's not good now. It's not made for what's happening now. So if you're here and you've accepted Jesus, man, you love it at church. You love how it feels when it comes here. But it is a struggle from Sunday to Sunday. You don't understand why it's so difficult. Because you walk in and you're like, Lord, I feel your presence. You don't understand why it's so difficult. Well, I believe what God wants us to understand is the reason that Jesus himself withdrew to lonely places. It's because our lives are not static. Every day is not the same. I'm glad it's not the same. That would be kind of boring. Things change every single week, every single day, every single moment. And those hot temperatures in the engine we talked about, they kind of sound like how your week goes sometimes. 
man, you walk out of here and it's much closer to the 225 than the 195. You experience the moments of 2,000 degrees as something big happens in your life. And even though what God spoke before was beautiful, perfect for that moment, every new day needs new mercy. We talk about this scripture all the time. I quote it all the time. Lamentations 3 says, His mercies are new every morning. But I'm going to tell you, friends, walking fully into the new mercy, it means embracing time alone with the one who brings the new mercy. What it takes from us is to commit the time. The word of God, it's accessible to you. God is always ready to lend his ear toward us. He will listen if you call. But just like we have to take the time to take the car to the shop, we must take the time to invite God's presence into our lives each day. When we invite God's presence into our lives each day, man, something miraculous happens. The old becomes new. The rough patches, they become more smooth. The stuff that was loud, it begins to become quiet. We begin to feel different. We begin to sound different. And people are like, what has gotten into you? It's not because of our goodness. It's because the oil of a relationship with Jesus is in our lives. And our relationship with Jesus, it sustains us more each and every day. Another way an oil change of personal devotion helps us become and make disciples is personal devotions prepare us for the world. Man, when it comes to a, a vehicle, this could not, I had planned this a while ago, so I didn't plan it out exactly this way, but man, we've just experienced why it is so important to keep up on the routine maintenance in your car. Why it's important to have your oil changed on time. Because you never know when you're going to get a mini snowmageddon. And you're going to wish that your vehicle was ready for any conditions. Specifically, when it comes to oil, you don't want to be out there checking your oil when it's two degrees outside. Don't ask me how I know that you don't want to do that, but just trust me, you don't want to be doing that. You don't want to be stranded. Have your car towed because you ran your oil dry and your motor seized up. Thankfully, I have not experienced that one, but I know people who have. You see what happens, something you find out about when you get your oil changed is if you have any problems. When you get in there and you start checking things out, you find out if you have any problems. You find out if you have a leak that you have not noticed. You find out maybe if your vehicle is burning oil. As vehicles age, they just do that. All right, we have a Prius, 2008 Prius. One of the quirks of that car is it burns a little oil in the summer. Get a couple of these guys, put it in there once a month, you're good to go. Even though there's no puddle of oil, the oil is disappearing, and the amount that shows up on the dipstick is getting lower and lower without you even noticing. You'd never know unless you get your oil changed or check it. If you've kept up on your maintenance, some of you, this is going to blow your mind, if you've kept up on the maintenance for your car, believe it or not, you can thrive when the storm comes. You can have so much fun when the storm comes, yanking people out of the snow drifts. It's pretty fun if you've never done it before. Instead of surviving, we're able to be people who are a blessing to others. People who make the most out of every situation with joy instead of escaping by the skin of our teeth. Now, I got to admit, I have been on both sides my 44 uh, short years. I have been the one topping off the oil when the wind is blowing and the snow is coming down sideways, thinking, why did I not do this yesterday when it was 45 degrees? And I have 
fortunately been the one who happened to keep up on things and was able to thrive, even enjoy it. This time around, I happened to be ready to roll. And man, it was fun to drive around in the snow. Take my boys out, throw snowballs. Now, believe it or not, this snowy illustration, it holds a parallel to our lives as disciples of Christ. Look uh, this morning with me, Colossians 2, 6 through 8. Have it on the screen for you. This is the, the ESV. I just love the way ESV puts it. It says this, Therefore, as you receive Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Man, one thing we can be assured of today, friends, is that the question is not if things in the world are going to get hard for us Christians, it's when. If you're not a Christian, it's not if life is going to get hard, it's a question of when. Jesus even told us while he was on earth, he said, in this life, you will have trouble. And having a habit of regular devotions, time with God, it prepares us for that trouble that Jesus was referring to, prepares our heart for it, prepares us for what we are going to face in the world. We see here uh, in verse 7 that we just read, there's three benefits of regular personal devotions. And the phrase they use is, when we walk in him. When we keep the oil fresh in our relationship with Jesus, we see three benefits in, this, in these uh, set of verses. What we see is that we are rooted in Jesus. Something that we often miss when it comes to our salvation is that our relationship with Jesus, it's not just a moment, it's a journey. It's not a snap of the fingers, one moment decision, but it's a journey that we go on. And the journey is what happens when we make that choice to go to the lonely places with God on a regular basis. This is such a hard thing for me sometimes, to go to the place where the voice of God is the only voice that we can hear. To the place where the journey is personal and where the roots can have a chance to grow deep. Now, here's the catch, friends, about being rooted in Jesus. There are, all no, there are no shortcuts to being rooted. It's kind of similar to the oil change in your vehicle, actually. You can buy the oil. You can buy the fanciest, biggest jug in the world. You can buy the fanciest oil filter in the world. You can get yourself a funnel. You can get gloves. You can get all the stuff to make it so it's an easy job. But if you never take the time to do it, then nothing changes. All of this stuff does nothing for you sitting in your garage. Becoming someone who is rooted in Jesus, it prepares us for the world, but it is up to us to take the time to apply this to our lives, spend some time alone with God. We also see that when we walk in Jesus, we overflow with thanksgiving. We overflow with thanksgiving. Again, something, I, mean, I was just convicted by the scripture. But I'm not always great at this. But I can tell you, Thanksgiving is like a secret code for a tough day. You ever used a secret code on a video game? Anybody? 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 I talked about this uh, Super Mario a couple weeks ago. And uh, that game, when it came out, man, legendarily hard to beat if you'd never seen it before. But you know the thing that made it really easy to beat? Once you discovered the little trick, the uh, secret code that makes it so you can have 99 lives. So you can attempt the last level 99 times. All of a sudden, it got real easy. Thanksgiving, it's like a secret code for a tough day. Thanksgiving is like a secret code for the hardest things that we face. 
It's certainly not easy to be thankful in the middle of stuff. But walking with Jesus daily, you remember, it's a journey and not a moment. It teaches us, walking with Jesus teaches us to have a thankful heart. I don't know why it seems to work, but I know that it works. I do know that daily time alone with God and and reading, prayer, it helps me to be thankful in ways I never would have considered before. Some of you know we just uh, went on a trip. It was a really short trip. That's why a lot of you probably don't know. We left Thursday morning. We were in Texas Friday. Flew back Saturday. And when I tell you we experienced every travel hilarious thing you can experience in uh, two days without someone getting physically hurt, that is the absolute truth. I mean, every single thing. Reservations canceled, flights canceled, pipes freezing. I mean, you name it, it happened to us. It was really fun, though, because I was with my family. I got to really put into uh, practice, if you love the family, you can change the world, because I was with them a lot. But I went down there. We went down there for this uh, memorial service, a funeral for my Aunt Linda. She's been here before, actually. Her and my Uncle Dana, they were here uh, the day that we were installed. They've been here a couple other times. and um, Just people that have done ministry their whole life. And here's the reason I'm telling you this story, because my Aunt Linda, man, she is, was an incredible person. She's with the Lord now. She's 67 or 68. Has led literally thousands, thousands and thousands of kids to the Lord. Went to this funeral at this massive church. There's five, six hundred people there. And I, man, it, when you go to a funeral, a lot of times, uh, a lot of times it's family, whatever age they are, and the people that are that person's age. My Aunt Linda is 67, 68. There was a lot of 25 year olds there. There's a lot of 25 and 30 year olds there with their little kids, helping them get through this service. She was an incredible woman. Man, she led so many people to the Lord. Just an exuberance about her all the time. My Uncle Dane and her husband got up to speak. They've been married. She's only 67. They've been married 49 years. I guess you could do that back in the 60s, and it was no problem, right? 60s and 70s, whatever. But, man, my Uncle Dana got up to speak, and I have never, ever in my life seen someone speak with such joy and thankfulness about such great loss. It was incredible. Of course he's sad. My cousin Tyler, my cousin Jenny, who we grew up with, of course they're sad. And they did it as well, but not to the extent that their dad is. Man, he got up and he spoke at his own wife's funeral about how thankful he was for her. The joy that she brought to his life and the people that know the Lord because of her. And I talked to him about it afterwards. I told him. And he told me right away, he said, this is a result of the time I spent talking to God about it. Talked to me about the story of Job and how he'd been reading it. Talked to God about it in the shower and um, in the days that my Aunt Linda was going downhill. Being thankful helps us become rooted in Christ. He's just this shining example of how Thanksgiving prepares us for the world. Friends, when we are thankful for what God has given us, prepares us for what the world has. We see finally that when we walk in Christ, we are not imprisoned by half-truth. Verse 8 says this. It says we are not taken captive by philosophy, empty deceit, human tradition. As disciples of Jesus, friends, when we take our faith with us into the world, all three of those things, philosophy, empty deceit, human tradition, those await us each and every day. There are unlimited amounts of people. It will never run out. 
that will mix Christianity with what the world has to say. An unlimited number of people, they will mix the truth with lies. Unlimited number of people who they will stake their very last hope on human tradition. But when we as believers in Jesus were faithful to keep the oil fresh and clean in our hearts, top off the reservoir before the weather gets bad, go to the lonely places with Jesus on a regular basis. And what we're doing is we are arming ourselves with the truth of the heart of Jesus. There are things that we learn from the word of God and from giving him the space and quiet to speak. We will not learn when others are around. See, we keep, when, when we keep ourselves from being imprisoned by half-truth, it prepares us for the world. The question is this. You're like, hey, this actually makes sense. The question is this. Where does it leave us? How do we become disciples and how do we make disciples? So we close and then we're going to get ready to prepare for water baptism here in a minute. I just want to leave you with one final scripture as we close. This is what one of the men who walked with Jesus did. Acts 10.9, about noon the following day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. This is Peter, Peter who was leading thousands to Christ and he was seeing God move mightily. This is also Peter when he was with Jesus on earth. Peter walked on water and then he sank. It was Peter who lopped off the ear of the guard in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was Peter who denied Jesus three times. It was Peter who, in, a, in a Mark chapter 1, said, and Simon was in the name for him, Simon and his companions went to look for him. They were like, where did Jesus go? And Peter, as he was experiencing this incredible thing in the book of Acts, Peter did some, something simple that sounds just like Jesus. Peter went up on the roof to pray. For you today, friends, no matter where you are on the timeline of your relationship with God, uh, I would just encourage you, as God has challenged me to do, I would just encourage you to withdraw a little more. I would just challenge you to withdraw a little more. If you've never practiced the habit of daily devotions, there's no shame in that. We've all been there, started and stopped, but you got to start somewhere. I would challenge you, encourage you to start today. We've been talking about this thing we've been using called the, the Bible Engagement Project on Wednesday nights. It's an app. If you're a person that uses your phone and you're like, what is in the Bible? Take five minutes a day with this thing and it'll walk you through it. So we've been doing Wednesdays. You can join us at any time. If a daily devotional book is more your style, something in a book, Man, one of the things I did a long time ago and I've gone back to over and over again is this really famous devotional called uh, My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. Get that thing. It's, it'll take you two minutes to read it. Read it every day for 365 days. God will speak new things to you. You pair either of those things with praying for five minutes each day. It can be while you drive to work. Just make sure you turn off the radio. Keep your eyes open. If you've never prayed before, it's nothing crazy. It's nothing fancy. You're just having a conversation with God. And I'll tell you this, man. God is big enough for all of your biggest questions. You can tell them the stuff you don't believe. You can tell them the stuff that's hard for you. And then the quiet will speak. I encourage you, friends. Find a lonely place with Jesus. I believe that what you'll find is that 
There's places where your, your walk with Jesus maybe seemed to be a grind before that the pieces are going to seem to fit together a little more smoothly. That where there have always been big questions, God's going to begin to answer those questions. He's going to begin to speak answers to your heart that you would have never heard if you were not alone with him. And I believe what you're going to see is that spiritual check engine light that always seems to be coming on you can't get rid of, like if you drove a Volkswagen. You're going to see that thing start to turn off as you listen and as God speaks. If you've been practicing this habit of daily devotions for years or decades, I just want to encourage you, find something small to add. Find some way to change it up just to keep that oil fresh. For me, uh, one of the things I've been doing in addition to follow along and Bible Engagement Project is I've been reading this uh, devotional by Spurgeon morning and evening, just a page in the morning, page in the evening with the scripture at the top. I, I have a book. Oh, we ended up with it somehow. We have a book, and I've got a little highlighter. And, uh, but sometimes you can't have the book with you. We were just in Texas, and so I looked it up. I Googled it, and I can find it, you know, morning and evening. As we close today, I'm going to encourage you to make a commitment between you and God if you never have. Bow your heads and close your eyes this morning, and we're almost done. If you don't know Jesus, I have really good news for you today, and that is that you can meet him. Jesus came here, and he came here to meet you. If you don't know what this is all about, but you feel something in this place, you feel something tugging at your heart, Jesus, the son of the living God, is here to meet you today. Jesus came to earth. He lived a life with no sin. He died and he rose again on the third day. The reason Jesus did that is because all of us are sinners. When we repent of our sin, when we say, Jesus, please forgive me of our sins, the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive, and we are accepted into the family of God. When we are accepted into the family of God, we have eternal life. It means when our bodies pass from this earth, we go to heaven and we continue to live. And if all of this is unfamiliar to you today, then all you need to know and where you can start today is that Jesus died for your sins and all he asked us to do was repent and ask him to rule and reign in our lives. So Pastor Joe is just going to continue to play for a moment. I believe the Lord is speaking to you today. So if you're here and you're like, when I walked in, I didn't know what I felt, but I felt something. And if, as we've gone through the scripture today, you felt God uh, speaking to your heart. Today, you don't know Jesus and you would like to. This journey that I've been talking about, you would like to go on it this morning. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand across this place so I can uh, pray over you and pray with you. I'm the only person that's looking around. Just want to have the chance to pray with you today. I believe that God is speaking to some of you. So this is what we're going to do. We are going to uh, pray a prayer today. Uh, just before we head towards water baptism, we baptize this teenager in water. I'm going to ask every person in this room to repeat a prayer after me. If you know the Lord, you're just repeating it and you're agreeing with the people that maybe are praying it for the first time or the first time in a long time need to know, friends, that the Word of God says if you say this prayer, or any prayer like this, not these exact words, but you say this prayer, and you mean it from the bottom of your heart that Jesus will come and make you new, forgive you of your sins. So I'd ask every person in the room, just in 
support of what God is doing, would you say with me, dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Today, I believe in you. I believe you came to earth, you lived a life with no sin, and you died, and you rose again. Please forgive me for all my sins. In your name, amen. Friends, if you said that prayer, whether you raised your hand, whether you didn't, and you meant it from the bottom of your heart, Jesus is renewing you in this moment. If you're uh, receiving salvation for the first time in your life, uh, we have a book that we'd love to give you. Rededicating your life, we have a book that we'd love to give you. But as we get right to that, would you stay on your feet? Pastor Joey's going to lead us in a song as uh, Pastor Chase and Orlando go change their clothes, get ready for him to be baptized in water. So would you just enter in uh, to what the Lord is doing in this place? Ask God to speak to you as we sing this morning. Would you stand as Pastor Joey leads Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, you can visit us at engageboise.com. Have an amazing day.